You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. All right, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and we're going to read this section uh, for our study tonight in the book of Exodus. We walk through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, getting the whole counsel of God, the precepts of God, the truths of God. Exodus is going to be a longer study for us because there are many chapters. Uh, Last week, I think I did a chapter and a half. Today, we'll do about 13 verses. Um, And it's been a really awesome study for me personally, and I think for our church, is we're looking at how really this idea of redemption and how God redeems us. Exodus And the Old Testament is a beautiful illustration and picture of how God works in our lives. And we actually see this same living God that we worship today uh, interact through people in the Old Testament. And we find encouragement and hope, the scripture says, as we look to these stories. So I pray that you've been being blessed by these series as well and the studies. And uh, we find ourselves tonight in the section where Moses and Aaron, these two key characters, brothers, uh, are now confronting Pharaoh, the king, uh, the ruler of Egypt. And there he's going to say, let my people go. Let my people go. And, and this has been a, a theme. It's going to be a theme of freedom, of letting God's people go. And tonight what I want to do is we look through Exodus and, and just see the sign that Aaron gives Pharaoh. Um, I want to uh, show you another aspect of our redemption, of how God saves and how he works. And so before we get into Exodus, I want to just to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And um, this aspect, highlight for you this aspect of redemption of our purpose as God's people, our purpose. So when you put your faith in Jesus, he not only frees you with his power, but he gives you a purpose and he calls us his ambassadors. We're ambassadors for God. And so we want to take the gospel and what Jesus said and interpret Exodus through it. And so Paul, the apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through, well, we'll go through verse uh Verse 1 of chapter 6. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Praise God for that. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this, speaking of the gospel, this good news redemption, is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is very good news. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, that's another word for sins, against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of this, our salvation and how we've been saved and the message we have, we, the Bible says, are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, We implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse one of chapter six, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Before we jump into Exodus chapter seven, I want to take just a few moments as the intro to get familiar with this idea of ambassadorship or being an ambassador of God. Uh, It's a very important concept, and I often find in our redemption story, we focus too much on the past or what God has done, and we forget that God is doing something today and wants 
a great future for us. He's not only saved us from something, but saved us for something. There is power in the gospel, how he redeems us and saves us and makes us new. But therefore, because of this, there is now something we live for and do and bring in glory and honor to him. And so in the gospel of Jesus, we not only see the power of God in our lives, but a grand purpose to represent him, to preach his good news, to, rec- be, uh, to preach this message of reconciliation. And he gives us great gifts, ability, talent, time, and treasure to worship him through these things, through our lives. Paul would say, give your life as a living sacrifice to him. And so in verse 20, part of our redemption story now as followers of Christ, Paul says this, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. He makes an appeal, an invitation through people like you and me who have a message and represent the light of this world. Jesus said, I am the light, but now you are the light. We have the spirit of God inside of us and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do great things. We've been given the privilege and the honor to represent Jesus and his kingdom in this world as the Holy Spirit lives in us, empowers us, and uses our lives to give God glory to preach his gospel and the ways of his kingdom. Now, this idea of being an ambassador is a big one. I don't want to go too far into it as um, we get into the text today in Exodus 7. But I will say this, if you embrace the purpose of God in your life, it will change your life. It will transform the way you live right here and right now. And it's an important thing to concept. You know, one of my uh, favorite commentaries, it's a free commentary. It's EnduringWord.com. Pastor David Guzik, we've actually had him come and do conferences and things like that for us. He says this about us being ambassadors for Christ. He says, there is so much to the idea of being ambassadors. An ambassador does not speak to to please his audience, but the king who sent him. An ambassador does not... um, An ambassador does not speak on his own authority, his own opinions or demands. He simply says what he has been commissioned to say. But ambassador is more than a messenger. He is also a representative. And the honor and the uh, reputation of his country are in his hands. And this idea of being ambassador, having a message and representing God's kingdom is so fundamentally, foundationally important to us when we talk about evangelism. We talk about sharing the love of Christ and why are we still on this earth and bringing glory to God. You see, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are called ambassadors. So we have a message, this good news that we are proclaiming to the world, but it's not just a message where we proclaim the gospel to others. We embrace the gospel for ourselves and it transforms our lives and people should be able to see God ruling and reigning in our lives and say, wow, that's the kingdom. That's true love. God said you could sum up everything by loving him and loving God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, I don't know how to comparably hint this very well, but it says that we work together with God. We work together with God. That means your life matters. You know, sometimes in my office, at my home office, I have this big, huge whiteboard for my to-do list, right? And more than bivocational. I have pastoring, and then I have so many other jobs as well. And I try to fill up everything I have to do and stuff like that. But sometimes just to remind myself, on this whiteboard, this is one of the verses that I write on the very top. I am working together with God this week. 
God is with me. I'm giving him purpose. I'm giving him honor. I'm giving him glory. I get to work with God in representing his kingdom and sharing the gospel. And it's not just for me as a pastor. It's for you as well as a Christian. You get to work with God, be with God, represent God, know and understand his word and share it. God just didn't call us out of sin, but he called us into great purposes that honor and represent him. And when we put off the things of the flesh and sin and put on his spirit and the things he wants us to do, read Colossians chapter three, it actually brings so much pleasure and joy and satisfaction in our lives. And it not only brings us pleasure and satisfaction, it blesses the world. This is what it means to be God's ambassador. So now, with all of this in mind, I want to continue Exodus chapter 7. And I'm titling this message, God's Ambassadors, because in this text is the start of Moses now representing God to Pharaoh. He has a message, and he's representing God's kingdom. And we can learn a lot from this text. And I think if we focus on, on this issue and idea of an being an ambassador for Christ, we can learn a lot. And I want to just read through this text and give us some principles for us today of how we can represent Christ and seeing how Moses and Aaron represented God to Pharaoh. And so we'll read this all first 13 and then we'll do our normal thing. We'll break it down. We'll dive deep. We'll study and we'll pray together. Exodus chapter seven, it said this, and the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt, bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so, verse 6 says. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. But then then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and, the, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the, the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask right now, Lord, that you would speak to your people. We thank you, God, that you give the gift of teaching, that you minister, you know everyone here. We pray, Lord, as we look at this text and this idea of purpose, that you would give revelation, that we would be embrace some of these principles to represent you, to know your message, to know your good news, not just even for the world, but for our sake, God. You love us so much, Lord, that you sanctify us. You give us purpose. You 
Truly do you love us, Lord, and we thank you for that love. We love because you first love. We're in response and gathered here today, uh, tonight, Lord, just for your goodness and your glory. Even as we took extra time in worship, just celebrating the gospel, may we continue to celebrate it, knowing, Lord, that your presence is with us and you want to speak to each and every one of us. Thank you for bringing us all here tonight, whether it be in this room or even listening online. We want to bless your name. We want to learn from you now. And so we thank you for your word. We ask you to do whatever you want to do. It's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I like reading this whole section so that we could break it down and learn from it. Because in this text we read, we really start to see Moses and Aaron really represent God to Pharaoh and be ambassadors. God's ambassadors. He had an interaction with Pharaoh before, but now he's starting to break that down and really um, represent God in such a way. And in verse 1, God, uh, so much so in verse 1, God says to Moses, listen, when you go to Pharaoh, you are going to be like God to Pharaoh, like God. Now, it's not saying that Moses is God or a God, but in Pharaoh's eyes and in his mind, Moses is going to represent God and have authority like a God. Because remember, Pharaoh, he thought he was a God. They worshiped all these gods. And so he's going to say, oh, well, this guy is just like another God. And what God is going to do through the plagues is prove that he is the only true and living God. And so he says, just like I send you and other people will see fruit in your life, they'll think, oh, you're so good. You're so special. And I think it's important for us to understand when we think about being an ambassador for Christ, when people see the fruit of our lives of just simply repenting, following after God, the Bible says that there is fruit like love, peace, patience, joy, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit bears in our life, and we need to be quick that when people see good in us to say, no, it's God. He's done a work in my heart, and it gives us a voice to share the gospel, that we don't take glory and credit and say, no, we're, oh yeah, we are amazing. We're God, and this is incredible. No, we say, no, we're not. Now, this is very important because the first interaction, he Moses and, and, and Aaron told Pharaoh to let the people go. And Pharaoh was like, Psh, no, what, who are you? You are nothing. I am Pharaoh. Exodus 5, 2, he said, this is what Pharaoh said. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh did not know God, didn't care about God, was being God, and God had to prove to him who he was. So now God is going to show Pharaoh who he is by sending Moses and Aaron as representatives, ambassadors, with a message about what he wants to do. He wants to work through them with signs and with wonders. And this great calling that Moses and Aaron have in this story is actually a part of all of our callings of followers of Jesus. How we represent God to the world with a message and principles of his kingdom, as we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are ambassadors. One commentator said this: this idea carries over into the New Testament, especially when Paul wrote that believers are like letters written by Jesus that the whole world reads, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. People that won't look to God, he says, usually look to us. Those who won't read the Bible usually read our lives. Isn't that true? We're not God. We're not even special. We actually in Christianity believe that we're sinners and we're weak and we need God. But yet, 
People see us and we represent the kingdom. Another commentator said this, a prophet is one who represents God to man. And as such, all Lord's people are prophets. Are we giving those around us the true idea of who God is? People are reading our lives. When, whether it's a good book or a, a bad book, they're reading our lives. They're paying attention. And this is a, a high responsibility to represent God, but it is what Aaron and Moses were called to do, and it is what you and I are called to do as well, as followers of Jesus. Because Jesus told his disciples after the resurrection, uh, John 20, 21, Peace be with you, for as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is a part of Christianity. This is a part of your salvation and redemption. It's not just say a prayer and move on and wait to heaven. There's a plan and a purpose right here and now for you to worship God, to represent him, to bring him glory and honor. And so the first point I want you to see from this text is this. God has given us the role to be an ambassador. We're ambassadors. God has given you the role to be an ambassador to represent him, to know his message, to, to, to represent his kingdom to others. And if you are redeemed by God, saved by his grace, then you have a role to play in his kingdom. And this is exactly what we see in verses one through five, as God reminds Moses again of his calling and his role. He tells Moses, you shall speak all that I command you. And then he goes on and says a whole bunch of stuff, again, promising the future what he will do. I will do this. I will do this. And I'm going to do this. And he lays out this plan again for Moses clearly so that he knows that he's God. And what I find interesting is God doesn't need Moses or need us, but yet he still chooses to bring himself glory and represent him. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 17, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When we follow God's ways and obey him, it not only blesses our lives, but others, and the Lord uses us to represent his kingdom to others, to preach, to proclaim. And so in verse five of this text, God is giving all these I wills and promises, and it says that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Because Moses is about to obey. Remember, we had a whole message. Pastor Robin talked about the importance of going back. God calls us to go back into the world, not to be of the world. Now, because Moses is obeying and walking in his calling, God promises now the Egyptians are going to know who the real God is through Moses and Aaron's obedience, through their worship. If you want your friends, your family, your community to see who God is, worship God with everything you have. Set apart or sanctify your life. Give your life to the Holy Spirit. Have him move your heart and walk in his ways and he will do a work through you as his ambassador. And when we walk according to this calling, we thrive. People are blessed. And so the question we have to ask ourselves with this sort of point is, are we embracing this life? Do you realize that you have this calling? It's scriptural, it's biblical. And I think for most of us, we are. And so we need to ask ourselves, not just are we embracing it, but how do we embrace it in this culture today? God does not change. 
There is no more Pharaoh, but there is a spirit of Pharaoh, isn't there? The ways of the world are strong. They contradict the spirit. So what do we do and how, how do we navigate being an ambassador, being loving, being kind, disagreeing, all this different stuff? Well, the text would continue to give us important principles for today. The second thing I want you to look at through this text is spending time with God helps us in our calling. Spending time with God will help you in your calling and representing him and knowing him. You see, if you're going to represent God, you need to know him for yourself and spend time with him. And I love in verse 6, Moses is finally obeying God. Like, it's been seven chapters. There's been the burning in the bush. And many of you guys know there's been a lot of like what ifs and buts. Like, what about this? Well, no, I'm not really gifted. Well, but God, no, hold on. And like, God just keeps on repeating himself. Like, honestly, the reason I skipped through one through five, because we heard these promises before and talked about them, haven't we? It's God's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and, and Moses is like, well, are you sure, God? Wait, wait, not about me. I'm not really good. Send my brother. Okay, you're going to send both of us? Well, because I can't speak. And then I'm not really, and I'm humble. And he's just questioning God's calling over and over and over again. But have you noticed even so far in this text, how many conversations we've been studying? Moses has just been having conversation after conversation with God. And slowly but surely, there's something amazing that happens through conversation and spending time with God. Moses is now being influenced by God. His faith is being grown. He's building courage. And we finally see in this verse 6, he's finally doing it, walking in the purposes and plan of God. And it's just like for you and me. We struggle to believe it, to accept it, to know it. And then as we spend time in prayer and God's speaking through his word, we get a little bit more faith through his word. And then we apply it and then, and then we wrestle and we go back and forth and all this different stuff. And then finally... We just obey. And God makes great impact in that. When we spend time with God, it influences us. And Moses has spent now a lot of time wrestling with God. And we're sort of looking at it from a different perspective and saying, wow, he's being influenced by God. Just as Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. I like how Paul put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that passage that we read in the beginning was in chapter 5, but verse 18 of chapter 3, Paul tells us that God rubs off on us. He transforms us. He, he influences us. He says, and we with all, with unveiled face, behold, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. It is by the spirit of God that transforms our life and sanctifies us and makes us more holy. I was reading this morning as I started going through the book of Acts, John and Peter, as they were with God, they received boldness after the resurrection. And people noticed, and they noticed that they, weren't they, were, they were uneducated, but they also noticed that they were with Jesus. And I think sometimes we try to think strategy trumps relationship, and with God it's reverse. It's just spending time with God, and then through that, he changes our heart to move into strategy. People needed to understand that spending time with God is going to have a wonderful result in your life because as you do so, he transforms you, even if you spend time with him, going with your questions to him. As we talked about before, questions are okay with God. Don't scare God to have some questions. You need to pray and go to God. He'll influence your heart. And oftentimes the situation doesn't change in prayer, but we are changed through prayer. Amen? 
And so we're transformed through this, through a relationship with God. I like what Henry Martin said. He said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. And the nearer we get to him, the more intensely uh, missionary we must become. Because God has a heart for the nations. He loves the whole world. He wants people to get saved, and he loves us all. So spending time with him, part of that influence will actually have a passion more for the gospel and what salvation is, and will focus more on missions and evangelism and obeying just like he wants us to. And this is now what Moses and Aaron are doing at the beautiful age of 80 and 83. I mean, it's true. I know they lived longer. Moses, the Bible, we know the story. He lived 120 years. So this is two-thirds of his life already done. And this is when he has the most greatest impact. Verse 7 says, Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron, his brother, was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. You got breath in your lungs? God's not done with you. I know a lot of you guys are retired from work, but you can have the greatest impact in God's kingdom right now as a grandparent as a prayer warrior, as evangelist, those giving resources and praying and blessing people. Don't give me this while I'm old. So was Moses and Aaron. They did just fine. The next thing I want you to see for us and how to be an ambassador for Christ is this. God wants us to reach individuals. If you go and continue to go through the story, we see Moses and Aaron go to an individual. His name was Pharaoh. That was his title. Now, remember, this had most likely been Moses' relative. doesn't say, but it could have been an uncle. He was adopted by this family, this royal family. The first 40 years of his life, he was actually raised in royalty. Moses means to be drawn out of the water. And so he was a Jew, but he was drawn out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, but he blew it in his sin, uh, killing an Egyptian and, and a Pharaoh uh, not this Pharaoh, but the Pharaoh before, knew and found out and wanted to kill him. Could have been for that murder, but honestly, it could have been just because he didn't want the throne to be taken by Moses. And so it's sometimes weird when you read the stories, like how does Moses just walk in and just talk to Pharaoh? He's been in the wilderness for 40 years now. It's because it could have actually even been his cousin or even his brother that was a Pharaoh. Remember, Pharaoh is not a name, it is a title. And so we actually don't know who the Pharaoh is, but somehow through relationship and through God's providence, Moses did. Remember that because God has given you relationships to specifically, strategically talk with and know, okay? And Moses and Aaron go now to this individual that they're in relationship with, the Pharaoh. God wanted to reach Egypt and even Israel, these nations, but he's sending one individual to another individual, or Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh. This is helpful for us because we often get overwhelmed when we start thinking about the nations and how we're going to make an impact on the world. But let me just ask you, what about your world? Who has God placed in your life to reach? They are also part of the nations. And like last week, we talked about God cares about individuals. And so his strategy is to use us as individuals for individuals. And when we actually embrace that strategy of our friends, our family, our coworkers, that God has strategically, providentially placed in our life, we'll be busy enough just trying to love those people. And, and, and it will have a great impact. 
Because God wants to use us, his ambassadors, to reach people and individuals. He cares about the individual. You know, going back to Acts, when Peter and John were going to pray, uh, the reason why they were able to share this gospel is because there was a lame man out of the temple begging. And the text briefly, but I think importantly, says Peter saw the man, and then he said, man, I do not have silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The thing that I noticed about that text this morning as I was reading is Peter saw the man. Think about how many people are in your lives that you just don't pay attention to. Even the people at the grocery store, your friends that you overlook, sometimes those even people that annoy you. There's people all around. I mean, we live in South Florida. And so whether they be stranger, whether they be friends, family, who does God want you to see? What individual does God have you to share the gospel and to represent him? How can you start to be an ambassador right where you are? Now, we're going to get into the two plagues next week because there's a lot of them. And so we'll cover probably half and half. There's 10 of them, but it's going to go over a lot of scripture and we'll do that. But I want you to notice this story that we read. Moses and Aaron give Pharaoh a sign. Okay? Why? Because this sign was just for Pharaoh, the individual. And the plagues were seen by the whole nation. God, in his loving mercy, is going to again reach out one more time to Pharaoh before he embarrasses Pharaoh and the whole nation. So he's giving a sign, and then what has after this sign are the ten plagues of judgment. And he does this because he cares for individuals. One more time, he's going to Pharaoh privately. And I thought about this and Maybe it doesn't work so well in our ambassadorship, but maybe it does. Let me remind you that God is full of mercy. He loves you and he cares for you. We need to be sensitive as God's people that if he gives us a little sign, we respond to him before the greater sign or judgment. Like if the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and he tells you to do something, obey him then. Don't wait until the embarrassment happens. So you fall forward. Is there mercy in there? Absolutely. But it's still a lot of humble pie you have to eat as a Christian sometimes. And God cares for you. He doesn't want to embarrass you. But if he's prepping your heart, if the Holy Spirit convicts, let's be quick to repent. Let's not harden our heart like Pharaoh. We don't have to wait for a big discipline. God will discipline those he loves. But in his mercy, you see him going to Pharaoh gently. In his mercy and his gentleness, you see him wrestling with Moses privately. When you have private times with the Lord and he's convicting you of something, then just repent. Thank God for it. Move on or learn from other mistakes. You don't have to walk down the same road sometimes and have these big plagues in your life to say, oh man, I should have been smarter with that situation. James says, if you need wisdom, ask God for wisdom. Seek his wisdom. Get some discernment. That one was for free. Let's move on. <laughs> Next, we see in the story, God give Moses a sign to prove to Pharaoh he is real. Now, remember, I'm summing it up. We just read it. Um, but verses 8 through 10 tell us that Pharaoh wanted proof that Yahweh was God or the Lord. So God tells Aaron, hey, take your staff, throw it down on the ground. It will turn into a serpent. 
Moses tells Aaron to do this. It actually does this. Back in the day, we'll get into this when we get into the idols of the land, but a serpent or snakes were a big deal in that culture that represent false deities and would have been a, um, a sign and proof to them. It would have caught their eye more. They would have paid more attention. So Aaron throws his staff, what's in his hand, what he has, turns into a serpent. And this should encourage us because it teaches us as God's ambassadors, God gives us empowerment. We need to fulfill our calling. He gives us the right tools, the right strength, at the right time, and the right moment. God uses what's in Aaron's hand, an everyday staff, to show Pharaoh a sign. And he equipped Aaron to do this. God has given you some things in your everyday life, like a job, like relationship, like finances, like kind words or whatever it may be. And he wants to empower you through those things and equip you to, to give people signs and wonders and submit to him. And this is a subtle and simple point, but we need to embrace it, that God empowers his people for the task that he calls us to. Because if we, again, if you're like Moses and like me, you're going to stumble and struggle by embracing this grand purpose. But because God calls us, that should encourage us because he equips all those he calls. To give you an example of this, Paul the Apostle, the great apostle, wrote most, uh, a lot of the New Testament he wrote, uh, did great things for the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength. That is Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. What he's saying is wherever God appointed me to, he gave me the strength, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this appointment, but I know that I'm weak, and he says I embrace my weakness, but God gave me his spirit and empowered me for that. Wherever God appoints us, he gives us strength to do that calling for him. So if he calls us ambassadors, he empowers us. God used Aaron's staff and he uses the gifts and abilities of us as well to serve him. Being his ambassador means we will be equipped by his spirit to whatever task he needs us to do. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Maybe the reason why being an ambassador is so scary to you is because you're trying to do it on your own strength. You need to have the Holy Spirit empower you. Submit to the Holy Spirit and the person and the work of God. For the Spirit of God has been given to all believers and it is not a spirit of fear, but it is a spirit of power and of love and self-control. And we can trust that God can use us by his spirit, with the spirit's gifts, with the God's abilities and our personality. And we can work together with God in this moment of history. We've all been given a voice. We know what the message is and we know what the task at hand is. But the only way we embrace that is by going and saying, God, we need your spirit to empower us to do that. Submitting to the Lord in his ways. But an important thing to understand about this calling, it doesn't mean we won't have opposition. It doesn't mean that things are easy. Now, there is a crazy turn in this story. If uh, This is one of the ways you know the Bible is supernatural because it actually has some stuff in here where you're like, I would have taken that out. 
the story takes an unusual turn in verse 11 and 12 as Pharaoh summons his sorcerers, witchcraft, magicians. And these jokers throw down their staffs and it becomes a snake too. What's the deal? Did you, no one read that? No one was shocked by that? Like, oh, this is a great sign from the Lord and the devil does the same thing? Crap. <laughs> but it's true, it's in there. Now listen, this is important for us to understand. Satan has demonic power. Let's not be afraid, let's embrace it. Let's say, okay, this is truth. It says here they, they went to the secret arts. They actually mimic the sign of God. And this is why, because God creates, Satan counterfeits. Satan always mimics. God in his glory, he is all powerful. Satan is not. So even the way that God receives worship and receives glory, Satan goes after and mimics those things. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Satan is a fallen angel. He, Jesus and Satan are not equal. God is creator. Jesus is creator. Satan is creation. Okay? And so he who has power, but it's nothing compared to God. Warren Wiersbe says this, Satan opposes God's work by imitating it. And in this way, he minimizes the power and the glory of God. You ever notice that? I mean, we could be dumbfounded and amazed that a staff turned into a serpent. That's amazing. But all of a sudden, Satan does it. He gets mimicked. I mean, it's just a staff. I mean, it could have been anything, right? Illusion or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a staff into a serpent. Yeah, right. You try picking up a serpent, turn turns into a staff. You're amazed. But now Satan's mimicking. It's not as special. doesn't give God as much glory. And Satan can empower his people to perform lying wonders. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about that. Matthew, Jesus told us, Matthew 24, 24 talks about that. Spiritual warfare and opposition are real, but let us continue to read the story. Because in verse 12, at the very end of that, we need to be encouraged and continue to read the story. But, eight, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. I mean, that's pretty OG. It's pretty amazing. It's just like, just boom. Try to mimic me? No. You know, Satan's been mimicking God and still does today. The father of lies has influence. There are cults, religion, power, these demonic promises of lies. Hey, God satisfies, he creates. We're made to give him glory. Satan lies and says, well, if you do this, your own flesh, me, worship, you'll get satisfaction, but it's a lie, it's a myth, and there's a snare and sin. But this is not the end because we've read Revelation and God will swallow up this serpent. We understand this. Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Point number five, and we're almost done. God is greater than our enemy. We don't say there is no enemy. We don't say these things are not real. There are lies. Satan does not give mercy. He's ferocious. He is real. Listen, people are enslaved to sin. You just need to watch the news. You need to see people in their life going after their flesh. The Bible says that sin corrupts and it brings death. 
And those things are real, and we have the devil and an enemy and all those things, but he is no match for God. He is no match for God, and this is really what the ten plagues are all about. Remember, this is a sign. The ten plagues are coming to prove, God is going to prove, not only to Pharaoh in this private moment, but to the nations that he is God and there is no one like him. God is going to specifically show us how he is greater than all of these false demonic gods in the time of Egypt. One commentator said this, there would have been 80 major deities in Egypt at this time, all clustered really into three great natural forces of the Egyptian life. One was the Nile River, the other one was the land, the next one was the sky. The first two plagues were against the gods of the Nile. The next four plagues were against the gods of the lands. The next four plagues were against the gods of the sky, culminating the death of the firstborn. The book of Exodus is a display of how God is greater than all of these false gods, and it is another picture of what spiritual warfare and opposition is, that God is greater, and we represent his kingdom. And so it should be no surprise that Aaron's staff swallows up the magician's serpents. For 1 John 4, 4 says, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We don't have a position of fear. We have a position of faith, and we serve a faithful, good God that will overcome our enemy, including not just Satan, but sin and death. And he has proven that to us by rising again three days later and giving us his spirit. And so we need to walk in victory when it comes to spiritual opposition and say, we're not going to buy the enemy's lies. He's not that powerful. Listen, God's going to get him. And we need to understand that. And we're a part of that. Well, lastly, in verse 13, we see Pharaoh's heart is still hardened. He doesn't repent and listen to God. Even in God's loving mercy, his kindness, he's going to him. What's the last point can this teach us about ambassadorship and being God's ambassadors? I wrote this down because I often think about it. God is in charge of the results. We are to be faithful. God is in charge of the results and we are to be faithful. I think about this a lot in our church plant. When I see empty chairs or full chairs, and I have to remind myself, it's not about the results. It's about being faithful. Moses and Aaron in verse 6 said they did what God told them to do. Is there any other position or better posture you and I can have in this life than just doing what God has told you to do? It's where our greatest satisfaction comes from. And yet we see in the story, Pharaoh still didn't repent. We need to remind ourselves that not everyone repents and turns to God. This even happened to the great apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 17, he would go to another place, uh, Mars Hill, where there were tons of false gods and deities, and he would say, preach an amazing message on the, the unknown God. Hey, you've seen all these gods and they're around, but I'm going to teach you about the unknown God, how he's greater, and he even quotes their poets, does the culture. And at the end of uh, Acts chapter 17, it says, some mocked, and some believed. Not everyone turned. Some even said, hey, I'll engage more. Too often we judge our ministry by the results that, aren't even, uh, that we aren't even in control of. Meaning this, God is the only one that saves. 
Our job is to speak forth his message, is to obey what he's called you to do. That's it. If people get saved, it's to God's glory. If you fumble through your words, it's to God's glory. He can give you the words in that moment to speak. We just need to be obedient and faithful to the call. We shouldn't judge our ambassadorship by the response of people, but rather the response of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant, is what we want to hear. We want to please God with our faith, the Bible says we can do. We need to continue to plant seeds of faith and trust God to work. You can't be discouraged if you're praying for someone and they don't get saved. That's not your fault. That's God's timing. That's his providence. That is something that he needs to do, and he wants to use you, and so keep being faithful. Questions we need to ask ourselves is how can we actually plant seeds? How can we be faithful? How can we be faithful ambassadors to the Lord? For it is not our work to reconcile man to God, Paul said in that chapter. That's God's work. He does the work, but it is our role to herald the good news of Jesus Christ as faithful ambassadors and represent God's kingdom to the lost and the hurting world. That's what I want our church to do. I want us to plant seeds of the gospel, whether they come to our church or not, whether they get saved or not. We need to be walking in obedience and our lives do matter. Our prayers do matter. We are working with God. We don't just say, well, we just want to be faithful. No, he's already told us some things we need to do. We need to be loving people. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be helping the poor and, and doing all these different things that God says, this is how you love people. Let us be faithful to that. Let us do good works and have the people glorify God. That's what the beautiful thing about this is when we work together with God, it's not for our glory, it's for his glory. And so I know it's a little bit of a two texts coming together, a little different tonight, but I hope that these principles will help for you because we're going to continue to go in detail and embrace how Moses and Aaron are ambassadors and look at that and see how God is going to prove himself that he is God and we are not. And when we embrace not only what he saved us from, but what he saved us for, man, we're going to be satisfied. God's going to be glorified. And so let's ponder and pray now for God's empowering. I know we took communion at the end, but before we just say amen and walk out, I want to pray. And I want you to just spend some time before the Lord, whether it be singing the song, surrendering your life to God, or just asking God, one application thing that you can apply. I always ask God to empower me each day. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm just saying, I just want to walk in your will. God, I need your empowering. I need you to help me to do these things. Maybe you need to do that before you start this work week. This is the house of God where we can get strength and be equipped. And there is no greater equipping than just being with God, remember? So even if God doesn't give you great revelation of a strategy, Know that him bringing you here tonight, just so you can be in his presence, just so you can know him more, see his mercy and his love. Man, that's as empowering to you. So let's enjoy his presence. Let's just sing one song before we rush out of here and take time just to pray and offer ourselves to the Lord. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. 
Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.